Welcome to the 200th episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is discussing the top 10 players in the NBA, and of course, we could not do this episode alone. Considering it is the 200th episode, we had to bring the bros back on the podcast. So introducing first, from the Impact, please welcome Ian Evans. Oh yeah, oh yeah, this is gonna be a good one. I, I'm so glad. I, I can't wait already. I, I don't even just just at this point, let's just skip the formalities. But it's not even my show. Do y'all thing. I'm, I'm just gonna wait. I'm just gonna wait on it. Oh man. And also from the Hear Me Out podcast, he was our first ever guest here on the Hoop Talk podcast, and we're bringing him back for 200. Please welcome Brooks Warren. What to do, y'all? Thank you guys so much for having me on, man. I enjoy. Coming on with y'all and collabing, it's always fun, so let's get into it, like Ian said, man. Let's get into it indeed. Jalen, we have a huge episode in front of us. The controversy could be amped up to could be amped up, amped up to a new level, so let's get started. Yeah, bro, so real real quick introduction to, to this episode, because I feel like it's important for context. This is episode 200, so we cannot play games. We had to bring back who we started with, essentially. Like like Ryan said before, Brooks is one of our first guests ever. Ian has been a constant contributor on the show as well, and it only felt right that with episode 200, we, we, could, we had to avoid going vanilla. We cannot pick anything ordinary for this episode. And so, like Ryan said beforehand, talking about how controversial this can get, what better way to stir up a little fire for episode 200 than debating who the top 10 players going into the 2021-22 season? Man, figuring out these guys was a really tough task for me. I'm sure it was pretty difficult for everybody else in terms of narrowing down that group. Um, Just so everybody understands the context of this, number one, we factored in injuries. The main guy who falls into this category is Kawhi Leonard. We took Kawhi Leonard off of this list um, across the board because we do not believe he's going to play this season. There's a possibility he might be able to come after the All-Star break. A similar thing can be said about Jamal Murray. I don't think anybody would have had him on this list anyway, but it still goes to factor in that guys who are having who are coming into the season with injuries or long-term injuries that can make them miss significant time, we did not put them on this list. Number two is that we factored in both how they performed last season, but also what their current situation is. Because the circumstances of a lot of these teams teams have changed. The Lakers are a number one uh, team in this category in terms of being a new look roster across the board. And that can affect where a guy can land on this list, either in terms of how high he is or how low he may be. So we factored that in as well. And then number three, you know we gotta throw the fandoms in there. There might be a little bit of bias here and there, depending on where you might, where, who you might rep, who you might uh, mess with, what team you mess with the most. So of course we factor that in a little bit as well. So don't be mad at us, mad at us too much if we don't have your favorite rappers, favorite rappers player on there, because I, I really think that this could go across the board. So Ryan, we're gonna we're gonna kick it off with you, bro. Start from number ten and work your way up. Who were your top ten players? Go. Who are your top ten players uh, going into the 2021-22 season right now? So starting from the bottom and working my way up, number ten I have Jason Tatum. Number nine I have Joel Embiid. Number eight I have James Harden. 
Number seven, I have Damian Lillard. Number six, I have Nikola Jokic. Number five, I have Luka Doncic. Number four, I have Steph Curry. Number three, this might cause some controversy. I have LeBron James at three. I have Giannis Antetokounmpo at two and Kevin Durant at one. Brooks, I'm going to go to you next, man. Top ten starting from the bottom. So in the top ten, start off with number ten, Dame Lillard. Got 80 at nine. Luka at eight. Harden at seven. Joel Embiid at six. 2021 MVP at 2021 MVP is uh is Jokic at front for five. Steph Curry is four. Ryan, I'm I'm going with you for LeBron at, at number three. Two is KD and number one is Giannis. Okay, I already I already like the mix-ups. I already like the mix-ups. Ian, you're next, my guy. Starting from the bottom at ten, moving your way up. Who we got? Who we got? First and foremost. <laughs> I am going to say, I am going to say that um, it's weird, but um, I actually got to give kudos to Ryan because um, number one, number 10, I got Jason Tatum. Um, number nine, I got Damian Lillard. Number eight, I got James Harden. Number seven, I have Joel Embiid. Number six, MVP last year, Nikola Jokic. Number five, Luka Doncic. Number four, arguably my favorite player of all time, Steph Curry. Number three, Giannis Antetokounmpo, how it should be. Number two, LeBron James. And number one, Kevin Durant. Okay. Oh, man. Okay, so I don't know if I did this on purpose or if I just love being toxic, but I, I'm definitely different here. So I'm going to just kick her up. I got, a, I got a crazy different amount of orders that do not line up with you guys. And it's going to be probably one or two names that y'all don't hear that we definitely going to have to discuss. So we're going to start at number 10. I got PG at number 10. I got Anthony Davis at number 9. Luka Doncic at number 8. Jason Tatum at number 7. Joel Embiid at number 6. Nikola Jokic at number 5. LeBron James at number 4. <laughs> Stephen Curry at number 3. Giannis Antetokounmpo at number 2. And Kevin Durant at number 1. Now, let me make sure, let me make sure that I throw this out here. A, I do like to stir the pot. Let's not act like, let's like, let's not act different. Let's not, let's not act like I'm not used to this in terms of trying my best to be a little different. But at the same time, I do have to also admit that for me, for me on this list, two things came to mind for me more than anything. I explained this to the fellas before we started, but number one was, I lean heavily on number one options in terms of this choice. Now, the one guy that comes to mind in this in terms of a guy that I left off was Damian Lillard, and that's where things got a little bit tough. I'll probably – I'm going to explain that as we work our way to him because he's relatively in the bottom four on this list, so we'll get to him pretty quickly. Um, but the second thing that I factored in overall is the situation. I think situation is going to be really important this year in terms of the kind of guy that I got – that I put on this list – Hence, probably why PG stands out so much, but I'll explain him in a minute. So, actually, we're going to start with the commonality between uh, the list, and that's Ryan and Ian, hilariously enough. This this podcast <laughs> does not see that often, so it, two, 200 episodes, man, you, you'd be surprised what you can, what you can get. But um, we're going to start at number 10 with Tatum. So, um, Ian, I'm actually going to start with you because um, – 
Celtics fan on the pod, first of all, have to make sure that we address that when we throw that out there. But number two is with you being a Celtics fan, you're also the most familiar with their situation overall, not just the signings, but also in terms of your personal feelings on fit. We sat down and talked to you about this team early in our Will of Fandom series. Since then, you guys picked up Dennis Schroeder, made a couple of other moves um, in the meantime. Why do you believe that Jason Tatum is the 10th best player in the NBA right now? Well, let's start with this. Um, Every single year in the league, he has increasingly got better. Mm -hmm. Do I think he'll do it next year? Absolutely. Um, In terms of situation, um, a new head coach that he already had a rapport with and, you know, helped with Team USA with this year. Obviously, KD was the, you know, the head factor in that. But Jason Tatum also played a huge role. And then on top of that, you also have guys like Jalen Brown already on the squad. Granted, we did get rid of Kemba, but Marcus Smart just got an extension. I think he's going to be good with us. Then on top of that, you already got the signings. He already has a rapport with Al Horford. He already, I mean, I think if Josh Richardson plays like he did with Philly instead of with Dallas, that's going to up his assist totals, I believe, because Jason Tatum has a, a knack in terms of finding people on the on the perimeter. Also, he does have that, you know, obviously the step back that his patent step back actually at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's put it this way: I'll fight to the death to say that Jason Tatum is a top ten player, especially after what he did at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. People were genuinely saying that we would have got swept by a healthy Nets team. Did we? No, we only won one game. But if we didn't, if Jason Tatum wasn't there, if we didn't already have Jalen Brown. If Jason Tatum wasn't there, we would have got swept. It would have been game over. I would have cried in a closet because I didn't want to be a part of the embarrassment. But because it it went to five without Brown, I was actually incredibly satisfied with how the season ended. Granted, was it how I pictured it ending? No, but based on the situation, it ended in a fine manner. Jason Tatum's a top 10, a top 10 player because of that. The last string of games where he was scoring almost 60, 50, and 40 almost Every time he touched the court, basically, then um, against <laughs> in that playing game, you know what I'm saying? Put put on numbers, just 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 said, you know, I'm literally catapulting my team by myself into that seventh spot as well. I mean, without Tatum, where where are the Celtics really? I love Jalen Brown, mm-hmm. but where are the Celtics really at? Um, and kind of this last thing I'll say, kind of to your point with the number one option. Granted, you can argue, you know, which player is more important, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, but I'm telling you this right now. If Tatum keeps improving the way he does, there could potentially be multiple MVPs in his future. That's all I'm saying. So, Ryan, I'm going to move to you. I, I want to build off a point that Ian made, but I'm going to do it after I hear um, from you. The biggest thing when I look at Jason Tatum, and Ian touched on it briefly, was his improvement Every season, we're going into year five right now, and this is kind of this is this is the time frame year five through eight nine where we figure out how all star sustainability is established. Right? Uh, there's a lot of people who are flashing the plant paying players that come out really crazy and kind of turn turn keel afterwards. I think one of the bigger names, I, I don't know if this is a big name per se, but everybody remem- remembers guys like Mar- Michael Carter-Williams coming out of Syracuse, bursted on the scene, got traded from Philly, and hasn't been the same since really. Tyreek Evans was another guy who bursted on the scene significantly um, as a guy who some could argue was playing out of position for Sacramento. And after that rookie season, never really was that guy again. Um 
Jason Tatum was a guy who's who was projected to go top three, top five, went top three, top five into a really interesting situation with Boston as a as a building block for them and has pretty much you know, he didn't come out on fire the way the the Luka Doncic's uh Zion Williamson to a certain degree, depending on how you weigh the half a season he had, the guys of late have in terms of bursting on the scene. But this is a guy who's gotten better every season and it's hard to knock that. So what about going into this fifth season has you so high on him to the point that you have him in his top ten? I have him I have him at seven, so of course I'll harp on him pretty heavily in a minute. But what made you put him in the top ten going into the season? I look at Jason Tatum and I and I see an emerging superstar. His ability to score is one of the first things I point to when we talk about Jason Tatum. Let's talk about his scoring for a minute. Mm -hmm. He averaged 34 points a game in the playoffs. And keep in mind, they faced a healthy Brooklyn Nets team. And if it wasn't for that one game that the Boston Celtics won, the Celtics would have been swept in that series. But he also led the NBA in fourth quarter scoring. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. He scores when it matters most. And that is what impresses me about him. But also... He's a pretty solid defender as well. So Jason Tatum is a great overall player. And considering, like you mentioned, it's his fifth season in the league, he still has a long way to go. And I absolutely feel like, to Ian's point, Jason Tatum could end up walking out of the league with one or two MVPs in his career. And that's how good of a player he is. Yeah, and so what I want to build off with you guys in terms of the MVPs is, Ryan, my bold prediction last time we were on the pod, which – Feels like an eon ago now, but last time we were on the, on the pod, we talked to Theus McBee from Slam Magazine, and I told him that one of my bold predictions going into next season is that I think this year's MVP will be Jason Tatum. I believe that he has that kind of upside, and I think that situation plays really heavily into that. The reason why I put Jason Tatum so high on my list is because I feel like everything is about to break correctly for him in terms of circumstance. Um, the last two seasons, two, three seasons in particular, we're talking about Kimball Walker, Kyrie Irving, and then let's also factor in the stint pretty much earlier in Tatum's career where he played with Isaiah Thomas. All ball dominant guards, all guys who are pretty much dribble. I don't want to say dribble the air out of the ball, but these are not facilitating guards by any means. So um, these are all guys who dominate on the offensive side of the ball. And I think that to a certain extent hurt Jason Tatum's development. Um, I think some will point to Gordon Hayward and say that he also may have stint, um, stunted the growth a little bit as well. But I think that having um, a non-distributed point guard probably is more of a um, impactful factor when talking about that. This year, I think the guy who I've said for probably a year and a half now and Marcus Smart is actually a better fit on this team at the point guard position because he's going to do exactly what you need him to do. Shoot threes, play defense, and facilitate. That's pretty much all you ever ask Marcus Smart to do. And he's one of the better players at doing those three things. Um, I think the other thing is when you talk about his overall improvement, one of the bigger things that stood out to me is that he's slowly, slowly growing into a better passer. Talking about Jason Tatum, career high 4.3 assists. That's 1.3 jump from last year um, or the season prior where he only had three. Um, 
across the board, he has just improved as a two-way player. And I also factored that in heavily, too, is playing on both sides of the ball. Um, I know that we're an offensive-driven league, and that's why guys like the Hardens and the Lillards get the nod. But for me personally, a two-way player is one of the hardest commodities in the NBA to come upon, um, especially elite-level talents on both sides of the floor. So for Tatum to be continuously taking both of these steps as an um, as an offensive player and on the defensive side, I think now with this team being well-built around and bringing Horford back, having a guy like Marcus Smart at lead guard, um, being in a situation now where he's not really sharing the spotlight in the forward spot, I mean, I think you can still argue that, you know, Jalen Brown is right there at number two, but they play so well cohesively that I don't think it's a tit for tat with them in ways that sometimes it felt like um, when dealing with Gordon Hayward. Um, Brooks, I want to come to you because you were the you were the one alone on the podcast that didn't put Jason Tatum on your top ten. And I wanted to I want to phrase it this way: What do you feel like was the defi- deciding factor that had you leave him off, or was he so? Was he more in like a 12 through 15 or lower range to the point that it wasn't even close? Uh, so I had him at number 11. I, w- I had him like right outside that, that top 10 for me. And, um, I think the main thing is the fact that I just don't know what to expect from them this year with the, with the new head coach. Um, I, I know they're going to be a playoff squad, but I don't know if they're going to be able to reach the potential that they've had throughout this whole, his whole tenure, you know. Going to back to back to back conference finals, um, Tatum just being a dominant basketball player just in general and, and continuing to improve just like you guys have and brought up so many great points that it's, it's making me question my own list. Having you <laughs> outside the top 10, man, but yeah, just this new coaching situation, um, just figuring out is he the true number one? Is he the true? Is he a number one A? Because I like Jalen Brown a whole lot too and I believe that he is equally as important, if not more, as far as just being a true two way player that, that can it's like a like a Jimmy Butler, but a better version of Jimmy Butler, I feel like. So it's just it's a it's a whole lot more questions than answers in my head about him as well. That's I mean that's understandable because I think I think Head coach-wise, another thing about situation for me is because of his familiarity with the coach, my thought process is that he's going to be leaned on even more. That was kind of my uh, approach to it, which is another reason why I had him so high on this list is because I think his usage is going to be top 10, I think, legitimately. I think that he's going to be a guy that gets used pretty heavy. Um, Sorry, I didn't even mean to cut you off. I just have uh, a question. Uh, Who is your number 10, Brooks? Dan. Who was nine? Hmm? Who was nine? nine? Anthony Davis. So how is the injury-prone dude that we don't really know what his future kind of holds next year? Think about it this way. He's going to get hurt next year. AD is definitely going to get – we don't know when, but he's going to get hurt next year. It's inevitable. Embiid is going to get hurt, but we know what he can do when he gets back. We know what AD can do. I saw a weird dump off from AD this year. I mean, I, I really did. It was weird. I don't know what it was from the bubble to now, but it was a weird dump off. Granted, I have AD at 11, though, because obviously he's one of the top three centers in the league, in my opinion. But his ceiling is so high because the only thing that stopped Tatum, and when I mean stopped Tatum last year, 
I mean, like, kind of halted him was COVID. And even during having COVID and playing, still played very well. Did he have, like, some minor injuries in there? Yeah, yeah, I mean, whatever. I, look, AD, he can average to a 20 and 10 a night. But, I mean, you look at his stats, there's a dump off from the bubble to this year. I don't know what happens this year as well because they added some more big men in there. There's going to be different ways they're going to be moving the ball now with Russell Westbrook on the team now. There's going to be a significant, I'm not a significant, there's going to be another somewhat drop off because you have these guys in there. I don't know if it's going to be Russ's stats or AD stats. It's definitely not going to be LeBron's stats that are going to drop off. But it's one of those two guys that is going to drop off. And I guarantee you it's going to be AD because of his injury history. And because they bring in guys, I mean, they brought in Dwight Howard back for another reason. They're going to not split minutes like split minutes. Dwight Howard's going to find ways to relieve him. I'm going to say that. There were also times last year, the last thing I was saying, there were times last year when when Embiid went down, Dwight Howard was the one, you know, starting at the center. And he played actually very well. I will tell you this right now. If AD doesn't live up to the standard that he is supposed to live up to, I can tell you the minutes are going to be decreasing from AD and going to Dwight. I don't care if Dwight is getting older. Dwight is still playing at a higher level. I still think AD is a fringe top 10. Don't get me wrong. It's not like a very outlandish take that you don't have Tatum there. I told you I will fight to the death for this. I just think, oh, it's raining. Like, I'm sorry. My bad. I just heard it. Anyway, um, it's 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 just his ceiling is so much more higher to me, if that makes sense. But um, I do see why you have AD, and then over. Den- I'm sorry, I have I've said too much, but yes. This- no, and you and you want to know what? I hear everything that you're saying, Ian, but I feel like that drop off that we saw with AD is because the bubble ended so late. You know what I mean? We ended in October, start season starts in, the, in like a month and a half, right? And then he's still dealing with these injuries. I think it's also. Just, you know, there was reports of saying of the Lakers being like, oh, getting too big for their head and thinking over champions, it's going to be easy. I think AD just got humbled last year along with the injuries, and I feel like he's going to come back hungry. I think he has a better point guard and Russ that can dump off the ball. And I think if anybody says have to jump off or jump down, it probably would be Russ. I mean, even though Russ is like super ball dominant, I feel like he's going to be the one more willing to sacrifice than AD and, and possibly even LeBron, but LeBron's going to get his regardless. AD's going to be able to get his regardless. So, you know, Russ might have to drop off in production. So, okay. So I want to, so I want to table, I want to table AD real quick just because of the fact that me, me and Brooks both had them on there. So that's another commonality. So I think that's a good way to move off Tatum because I think, I think we agree that this, this seems like the one, unless you're me who has Paul George, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. But like when talks in terms of talking tit for tat, it seems like AD, um, and Tatum are in that, that fringe list literally. We can say the same thing about Lillard in my case. Like I said, we'll talk about Lillard, Lillard in a second. But I, it's, this is this bottom half of the list is where you get into that fringe top ten area. For me, Anthony Davis. The reason why I had him at nine was a lot of what Brooks said in terms of the distribution and the way that I've looked at this roster is they're going to be playing small a lot, a lot. Roster wise, they are not constructed in a way where you can. I I understand this idea of playing Dwight at center and Anthony Davis at the four, which is what his his preferred spot is. But especially with the uncertainty uncertainty around Marc Gasol, if that hasn't already pretty much been decided at this point, 
they don't have power forward center depth like that. They really don't. And it's going to put AD in a position where he's not going to be able to just, you know, be spelled minutes at the center position. He's going to be in a position now where he's going to, in a lot of small ball lineups, he is going to have a lot more onus to score. Um, I think one of the other things, too, is if there's one thing that Russell Westbrook is good at in terms of collecting assists, it's dump offs. It's like like going back to what Brooks said beforehand. A lot of big men thrive really well next to a guy like Russell Westbrook because, yes, you might lack in the rebounding de- department by playing next to Russ. Um, but in terms of being able to get easy baskets, I mean, he makes it so much easier for big men to be able to get drop off baskets because of how much pressure he puts on the rim of uh, the fact that he's so willing to make last second decisions like that. And the fact that he's so aggressive to the paint leads it where a guy as athletic as Anthony Davis around the rim, which is probably the most athletic big man he's played with by far in terms of giving him opportunity. That's, that's the biggest thing that leads to me. The other thing is that with AD, Ian, I think, last year being so down is why I think going into this year he's going to end up playing at a top 10 caliber level I think last year being so like because let's let's actually let's actually put some numerical value to this because I think that's a good way to make this all make sense AD averaged 21.8 points per game that's the lowest amount he's averaged since his second year in the league 7.9 rebounds per game is the lowest of his career, of his entire career. 1.3 is the lowest, uh, 1.3 steals is the lowest he's had since the 2016-2017 season. And 1.6 blocks per game is literally the lowest of his career. I don't see any circumstance where it gets any lower, so to speak, for him than what last season was. And now that the spotlight is even further on him in terms of that circumstance, the fact that people were so down on him, the fact that, um, you know, when he was being questioned about being soft, he played up to, you know, certain circumstances and things like that. I think that's exactly why he will end up playing up to a top 10 level. Ryan, I want to go to you because you haven't got to, got to talk about this in a little bit, but um, how do you feel about Anthony Davis as a player going into this season, specifically more about his role? Because I think that's the thing that can hurt him or help him most in terms of going into his next season. Because if you go based on Ian's point, you would have to be making a decision based off of making a decision of how you value Anthony Davis based on is he the second best player on this team or the third best player on this team? And I think that discrepancy alone on his own team can influence your decision on where he lands on the pecking order in terms of a top 10 or even a top 15. My view on Anthony Davis is this. The thing I have with him is the injuries. And I'm starting to be, I'm starting to get very concerned about the injuries to the point that we have to start putting him in the category of when healthy, he's a top 10 player. Okay. And I think that's, that's going to be the, the main issue going forward. And to Ian's point, how much of Anthony Davis are we even going to see next season? Because you talk about the drop-off in, in stats, you talk about the drop-off in production. That's going to be the main issue going into this next season because on paper, next to Russell Westbrook, this is a great fit. But if he's not there, then what happens? He's arguably a second or third option on this team. But the effect he has on this team 
is pretty significant if you think about it, considering what happened in the Phoenix series last season. They really need Anthony Davis for that series because they need somebody to go up against DeAndre Ayton. Now that Anthony Davis may or may not play all 82 games next season, that's going to be the biggest concern because, let's face it, do the Lakers have another athletic big man next to or outside of Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard? The answer is no. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, Ian, I want to go back to you real quick before we move um, to Lillard and Paul George, which is an interesting dichotomy alone just because of their own personal beefs. But um, I want to come back to you about something in terms of Anthony Davis really quick, and it goes to what Ryan was just talking about, the injury circumstance. Let's look at how everybody feels about Joel Embiid in terms of this list. I had him at number six. Ryan had him at number nine. Um, You had him at number seven. And Brooks also had him at number six. You felt as though AD shouldn't have been on this list, and you factored his health in significantly. The the my biggest question to you is, and um, you can address this in any manner you would like to. But my biggest question is, why do you feel as though the rules apply separately in terms of Joel and B? Because of the fact that I feel like we use the same excuses for both of them. When healthy, right? We even say the same thing last year. When healthy. Joel Embiid was runner-up in the MVP in the MVP race. If healthy the entire season, most, including myself, would argue he would have won it last year. But that if is the same kind of logic we apply to Anthony Davis. Nonetheless, Anthony Davis is 11th in your mind, for example, as opposed to for someone else like myself, I, I had him at number nine. So why do you feel like there's a difference? You technically just answered the question. When was AD up for MVP for that long of a time after coming back from injury? Joel Embiid was every single time he came back from injury, he still has a chance to get MVP from a healthy Jokic. For the, by the way, Jokic actually is the second MVP since Kobe to play every game. Anyway, but every single time Embiid came back from injury, he was always in the MVP conversation. AD, it is not the case. That's why I think, well, granted, I think Jokic is the best center because he got that MVP. I still think there's a, you can debate that, but mm-hmm. that's the only reason why I have an injury prone Embiid in there because he can still produce at a high level when he comes back. Sometimes we don't get that from AD. Sometimes we get 15 and 10. Sometimes we get like 30 and 15. It's kind of up and down. Yes, he does score. Like he's, he scored 21 points per game. Yes, is that low, but it's high compared to some other people in the league, especially in a bad year. Don't get me wrong, like, you, he can still be in your top 10. It's just for me, especially with how he comes back and then leaves and comes back and then leaves again, it's like, okay, but like kind of what Ryan was saying, if he, let's just say he plays at an MVP-type level somehow this year, you know, if he does get injured, would he stay in that conversation? That's also another question. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, depending on where the season is. My last thing is, um, you didn't say it, but you um, kind of alluded to it. He's playing with LeBron James. I mean, <laughs> that's that's another thing. You know what yeah. I mean? That's why his numbers are going to dip in general. You look at his numbers from when he played in New Orleans to now. Granted, they're still good, but he played mm-hmm. – he was obviously the number one option in New Orleans, so that's another thing. That's why there's that drop-off. But you're playing with one of the best – players in the league or one of the best players to ever play the game. That's why, you know, especially kind of going to your point as number one options goes. Mm-hmm. You, right. Um, if he is that number one option, there's obviously other guys that are going to be a number one option 
Um, the only reason I have Harden and KD here is because Harden, especially, I mean, he hasn't had like a big injury like he did, you know, with the quad, but he will always be in that conversation regardless because of what he has done and has and is continuing to do. But yeah, that's why. Okay. Round Robin real quick to everybody. Ian, start with you. Um, one or the other better defensive player Embiid or Anthony Davis? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a good mm-hmm. question, actually. Um, I will say AD. I will say okay. AD is a uh, defensive, defensive player. Um, it is close because I think both players do. I will say this, just quickly. I will say this. Both players do, on the defensive end of the four, dominate. I mm-hmm. think Joel Embiid has a better impact offensively that gets me higher than AD, in my opinion. Okay, better offensive player, uh, MB, better defensive player, Anthony Davis. Okay, I'll table that. I'll actually table both those around. Brooks, uh, next up for you, uh, better defensive player, Anthony Davis or Joel MB? Better defensive player, I would say, if I had, mm, first thought, I said, I I was thinking AD for better defensive player. Okay, better offensive player? I probably put Embiid in there too. I probably put Embiid. Ryan, uh, better, better. We'll start with defense. Better defensive player, Embiid. Better offensive player, Embiid. And you know the interesting thing about that is that 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 doesn't ref, that reflects more in what you say reflects more in Ian's list than in yours, which is interesting. Just out of the fact that you have him in at nine, Ian has him at seven. But I think it's interesting to to throw that out there. The reason why I ask all of this is because I think tit for tat, if you're even sub, if you're even subjectively split down the middle with them, last season would make you put and beat in your top 10 over AD instantly. I think that's, I think that for me, I feel like if you're even split down it, you have to go off of sample size and you have to go off of most recent, right? Most re, uh, most recent, because that's kind of our best way of being able to work with what they'll be able to project as moving forward. So I, I just thought that was really interesting to go that way. Now let's, let's address the elephant in the room or at least one of the first ones. And let's do, um, Lillard versus PG because that is one of those that, um, I think, for me, it goes, for me, it can go a lot of different ways. Lillard just barely fell off for me personally. Last postseason hurt. I'm going to be honest that last postseason has a lot to do with this. That series against the Nuggets, you have to think about who, who they were playing against. The Portland Trailblazers significantly had a better backcourt and it wasn't even close. You know what I mean? We're talking about Monte, uh, Monte Morris. We're talking about um, Compazzo, um, golly, uh, Rivers, who was signed to a 10-day and pretty much <laughs> lived up beyond that and ended up getting a deal out of it from Denver pretty much by playing well. I mean, the, the, the backcourts weren't even close. And to lose that series when the backcourt discrepancy was so significant to me, that's tough. Um, and that's what hurt for me personally. Um, Ryan, I'm going to start with you because you had him the highest. What do you believe 
led you to put Damian Lillard not only just in your top ten but at seven because because in comparison to everybody else okay again me I had him basically as honorable mention eleven talk about Ian had him at nine Brooks had him right there at ten you're very similar to me in terms of I was the one that was highest on Jason Tatum you're the one in this group that was extremely high on Damian Lillard what led you to that I think Damian Lillard is one of the elite scoring point guards in the NBA. He's also arguably one of the most clutch NBA players of all time. And we talk about the load that he has to carry for this team. Think about it, Jalen. At one point, he had a 55-point game against the Denver Nuggets. Mm -hmm. That tells you all you need to know. Because I think Damian Lillard, as good as he is in the regular season, could be even better in the playoffs if he didn't have to carry the load that he has that he's been having to carry essentially think about this in the bubble in 2020 who helped portland get to the playoffs damian lillard who helped portland win the first game of that series against the lakers damian lillard who's been the player that's been keeping this team in Playoff contention for most of the decade, essentially. Damian Lillard. Mm -hmm. So he has had this load that he's had to carry, and I credit him for the load he's had to carry and what he's been able to do with it, and especially considering that Damian Lillard is arguably a top three point guard in the league, but he's definitely also a top five point guard. So, Bruce, I want to go to you on this and ask you um, a question that I hope is not tough. I'll answer it myself as well, but uh, I hope it's not too tough, but I think should spark a certain level of conversation. Should, should Damian Lillard's potential trade situation affect whether or not he's in the top 10? Uh, For me, it, it didn't. The reason why I put him at number 10 was because of the fact that, uh, again, I got, the same reason why I had Jason Tatum out of and number 11 was the same reason I had Damian Lillard at 10 because mm -hmm. there's just a lot of turmoil going on in, in that franchise. Like, we don't know what's going on with CJ McCollum. We don't know if the team is going to be reset or anything like that. Um, him being traded, I don't think it's going to happen, but I do think this team is going to have a drop-off, and I feel like he's going to have to have another Herculean effort just to lift them up. And and then, you, and then again, you see this weird drop-off that he had in Team USA – where he just wasn't himself, and he had maybe he had one solid game, and it it just didn't seem like he was himself, and maybe it was because of this whole situation that was going on, um, and and it feels unfair to punish to punish such a great point guard and such a great player because of his team situation because he's individually amazing player, but yeah, I mean Jalen, you the criteria for this was the outside factors. As far as like, what's the team looking like? What's the trades and all those going on? And the main reason why I had Damian Lillard at ten was because the whole team situation is, is weird. And it's again, I feel like he's gonna have to have another big, 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 big effort and a big run in order to lift these guys up. Because I don't think this core that they have is really working out. I'm a I'm a big T.J. McCollum fan. I thought he was gonna be great coming out the draft. Kind of took a little while to get there, but I think he's probably gonna be the first domino to fall. And mm -hmm. they might upgrade or they might uh promote i guess gary trent to that two guard spot and then we'll see what happens from there but yeah 
Well, oh, well, real quick, just to correct that, Gary Trent is signed with Toronto now, so that, yeah, that right. gets sorry. even that gets even worse. Yeah, but the not, situation not Gary Trent, Norman Powell, that's what I mean. Norman Powell, yeah, yeah. But situationally, I mean, and Ian, I'll move to you almost by tabling a similar question, but I mean, let's be real. Let's let's keep it a let's keep it a thou real quick. I'll table it real quick and I'll come back to it this way. Ian, I'll start with you. Do you think that the Knicks signing Kimball Walker saved their offseason? I'm getting somewhere. <laughs> I'm getting somewhere with this. Define save. Do you mean like their it, only pickup was re-signing Julius Randle and pretty much getting Evan Fournier, and they had Max Caspers. Oh, oh no, yeah, no, no, they did not save their offseason, especially with what I've seen from Kemba Walker playing with other stars. Look, Kemba Walker was insane playing with Charlotte, like incredible to a point mm-hmm. where, um, sadly he was the one carrying them to an eight seed. I know it's mm-hmm. kind of. Funny. But he was the one carrying him to an eight seed. He had to go. It's interesting seeing him play with stars. And I want to see, it's going to be very interesting to see how he plays with Julius Randle. Does he have more freedom? Yes. But it's going to be very interesting. That's all I'm going to say. Did it save it? Um, no, I would say that it would be way better if they found a way to get Dame. But, um, yeah, no, I, I don't think it saved their season. There you go. Brooks, real quick. Do you think that the Knicks picking up Kimball Walker saved their offseason? No, I have to agree with with uh with Ian there. I feel like when you have max space and you're coming off such a great year, I feel like you should have your picks of of solid point guards or better point guards, guys that can really help you out in that point guard or in that uh that backcourt option, and just to get Kemba coming off such a complicated Boston Celtics tenure. I I don't know, and there's also the problem of going back home and figuring out okay, well, how am I going to handle everything that's off the court here because the vultures are going to be coming. They're going to be trying to get these tickets. They're going to try to get access to them. That's going to be a whole lot of other stress. We saw what happened with Stephon Marbury uh, having his disastrous New York Knicks tenure. Can that happen again? It's possible. New York guys coming home isn't always a guaranteed uh, path to success, I guess you could say. You know? Okay, Ryan, same question. Do you feel like Kimball Walker saved their offseason in terms of talking about the New York New York Knicks signing? I'm going. I'm getting somewhere with this. Just rock with me real quick. I, I'm going to say no, but it's just barely a no because I feel like with Kimball Walker coming home, this is a situation where he's played at MSG before, and I feel like he can he can prove the critics wrong. But then there's also that outlier of what Brooks mentioned historically. It hasn't worked out, like with with Stefan Marbury, for example. So, yeah, for that, it's just barely a no. Okay, so let's talk about the New York Knicks for a smooth second, and I'm going to make sure that this all rounds back to Portland in a way that makes sense. The New York Knicks are coming off a season where they finished as the fourth seed, looking like a competent team with building blocks in R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, Julius Randle, right? You pick up Evan Fournier in, in the offseason. You pick up Kemba Walker, two guys who addressed their biggest need based off what we saw in the playoffs in terms of needing other shot creators. They addressed their biggest need while being one of the best defensive teams in the league. All three people on the panel just said none of their signings made them significantly better as a team coming off this offseason, correct? Well, not none, just Kemba, not Evan. I like yeah. Evan. In terms – that's that's their big – I mean, you can pick Evan up, but if we're talking about Evan's impact specifically, we can come off of last season, what he did with the Boston Celtics, what he's done with the Magic. 
He is a guy who addresses their need. He is not a guy who raises their floor. That's why I picked Kimba in terms of talking about him. If you guys didn't feel like Kimba significantly raises their floor, let's go to Portland. Portland is in a dysfunctional situation, correct? Trade talks around pretty much every player on the roster, but specifically Damian Lillard at the top of that list. Brooks, you think that CJ McCollum is the first domino to fall. They signed Ben McLemore, Tony Snell, and Cody Zeller this, this summer. The only significant acquisition that they made was getting Larry Nance Jr. in a trade that sent Derrick uh, Jones Jr. Jr. to um to Chicago and got Laurie Markkinen on the Cleveland Cavaliers, which are a dumpster fire right now. So their biggest acquisition of the summer as a dysfunctional basketball team in a harder, in a debatable at this point, but in a in a tough Western Conference that. Made the that was a six seed last year, not convincingly, if we're being honest. Their big upgrade, quote unquote, of the summer was Larry Nance Jr. We just all agreed that the more competent, which is hilarious to say about the New York Knicks after the last decade, but the more competent franchise at this moment made two significant pickups this offseason. And the team that is most dysfunctional with the most against them in terms of needing to fix things more immediately made a significantly weaker like set of acquisitions this offseason and did not improve. For me, if the entire league just significantly got better, right? Because I think we all can agree that the Eastern Conference is a lot better this year than last year. And I thought last year was pretty okay, actually. Considering the circumstances, the Eastern Conference has gotten significantly better. The Western Conference is starting to even itself out more than um, in years past, even though that's a tough conference as as it is. And you are one of the few teams in the conference, if not one of the only teams outside of what maybe the New Orleans Pelicans, that didn't get better this offseason. For me, that's what factored in heavily for me is circumstance. For me, circumstance for Damian Lillard hurts so much. Now, that's where we get to PG. This is why I felt like this is why I put him in there. Besides the two-way factor, do you guys remember what PG looked like the last time he played with no expectations? Ryan, you harped on this during that season when it took place. Can you tell me what PG did the last time he played with zero circumstances? He went crazy, and he was one of the best players in, in that time. I think it was with Indiana when we were talking about it. He was so great at that time because he didn't have a lot to prove, essentially. I'll give you a more recent sample size. When he played in that 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 year two stretch with Oklahoma City, in that time frame, probably one of his most significant seasons ever across the board, Career highs across the board in 2018-2019. It was his second season with Oklahoma City. 28 points per game, 2.2 steals per game, 4.1 assists, 8.2 rebounds. Pretty much across the board, everything I read was a career high or at least tied for a career high until this most recent season in terms of assists where he averaged 5.2. He is playing for a L.A. Clippers team that with Steve Ballmer as the owner is not going to play for, for, for a lottery pick. So this is not a team that's going to tank. 
He is going to by far be the number one option on this team, considering the fact that with Kawhi Leonard out, that is the first guy, obviously, especially considering his extension that he recently signed. He is the first guy on this team. And there's a relatively younger team around him at this point, right? I mean, when we talk about the overall roster, um, the Clippers made a lot more picks in this most recent NBA draft than I actually anticipated, considering the circumstances. I think they took into account that a guy in Kawhi Leonard would not be playing this season, so this would be a table-it year to kind of build around, which is why I think they made that trade for Eric Bledsoe. That was also pretty interesting for this squad. The last time PG played with little expectations, he was a top three MVP candidate. Basically, the way I'm viewing it in terms of factoring just circumstances in a tough Western conference where I feel like the best bet is an AC at best for the Clippers. I feel like that's, that's not crazy, but that might be lowballing them depending on how you view the bottom half of the Western conference. But at eight, a six to eight seed at best as easily the best player on the team. Last time I saw something like that, or even remotely like that, like I said, he was top three, top five in MVP standing. So, Ian, I want to go to you because you not only did you have the most reaction to it when I actually said it, but also because in terms of these two guys, um, I have this interesting viewpoint of a very, very elite offensive guard in Lillard versus a above average, if not star, but not superstar level two-way player. In your eyes, which one do you value more? Because I think your rankings might reflect it, reflect it in one way, but for you personally, in terms of play style, do you believe that the superstar level score is more impactful than a just a simple star level two way player? Uh, yeah, I'd say I'd say superstar scoring. Look, I, I'll say this: um, this is the reason why I have Dame at nine. Um, I'll just kind of address him versus Paul George. Um, number one, two words, bad shot. No, it wasn't. <laughs> number two, um, <laughs> I'd simply rather have just have Damian Lillard as a number one option than Paul George. Simple okay. as that. There are many times where I've, I've like, Paul George honestly used to be one of my favorite players, especially when he was with the Pacers. I mm-hmm. thought what he did in Indiana was amazing. Anyway, um, there have been times where I, like, I really think Paul George would kind of keep it together and stay consistent, which he honestly had a very valiant series against the Suns. I'm not taking anything away from that. But there are times when you want him to be clutch and he doesn't do it, especially again in that Suns series when he was missing key free throws, which he shouldn't have missed. He's an 88% free throw shooter. Why are you missing? I mean, I don't like obviously the situation is one thing. You know, you got fans screaming at you, you know, all that. They're, they're talking about your wife who was a, for PG references, a adult dancer. Um, but, you know, all this type of stuff, right? Right. We get it. I have actually Paul George under Bradley Beal to me because I'd rather have Bradley Beal than than Paul George. If you put a guy like, I mean, granted, this is besides the point because he's dealing with the injury. If Mm -hmm. you put Bradley Beal with a guy like Kawhi Leonard, could you imagine what he could do? Mm. Could you imagine what he could do? This is all I'm saying. Um, And we already saw what he did with Russ. Granted, it didn't work out that well because obviously he got traded. Mm -hmm. But we saw what Russ has done with Brad. Now, going back to Dame. My thing is, yes, there have been times where 
uh, especially again, you know, in that Nuggets series where sadly you actually needed Dame to do more based on their circumstances. But like Ryan was saying, I'll, 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 I'll be done with it. I'm gonna get to you, Brooks. I'm gonna get, I mean, I'm gonna let him go. But could you, I mean, 54, basically by himself. I have never seen anybody react to guarding somebody like Dame when Austin Rivers was guarding him and he's, <laughs> he basically gave up. He's like, how does this go in? I've never seen somebody do that for Paul George yet. Not once. Mm. My thing with PG is if he can, because of the situation, I do see what you're saying though. Because mm. of the situation, he has the potential to be, especially with no expectations, be in that top 10. But the last mm. thing I will say is, do you not think Dame is heated or mad about him being in every trade scenario or saying that the pieces are falling apart and all that? Mm-hmm. He could be motivated to be like, okay, I'm going to prove everybody wrong, that type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And still find a way to, you know, to, you know, be in that top 10 conversation, which he already is. No, I'm going to let Brooks go because Brooks had a, a, a yeah, really. You might have started a Brad beef with him. He heard Bradley Bill's name come out. He not even wagged the finger. Yes, sir. The Brad Bill beef ain't even that serious. I don't <laughs> I want to, I want to, I want to respond to the fact of, uh, of like the whole Paul George thing. Cause I was gonna, I want to, I, I have an assist for you, Jalen. The okay. fact that the matter is too, look, when he, when he, when he was a number one option, when he is a number one option, mm-hmm. like he was in Oklahoma City or like he was in that, in those series against, uh, the Suns in the second round in the playoffs this, as last year, you saw that he's a capable superstar. We see that he's, very, very capable of just like carrying the load, leading you to some great heights. You know, I mean, this is about his third conference finals appearance. And if we're going to compare clutchness between Paul George and Bradley Bill, I mean, Bradley Bill is still a question mark as far as clutchness goes. Mm-hmm. And I like Bradley Bill, and I'm still trying to figure out is he the guy that I think he is, mm-hmm. that he can be great in those last four minutes, and he can be a fourth quarter solid score because I know what he can do for the first 36 minutes. I see the fact that he's able to bring our, the Wizards back from double-digit deficits. But what can you do in that fourth quarter? Paul George, I have a little bit of a better answer. I mean, yeah, he, he miss, he's going to miss free throws. But we saw what he did. We, we see what he's capable of sometimes. It's just like making that consistent thing. And I think with the ball more in his hands, him being a playmaker, him being a bucket, I feel like, I feel like that's what's, what's going to help him. Not to mention the fact that he's a way better leader than I think Bradley Bill is right now. I think having Russell Westbrook there to mentor him a little bit is probably going to help him long term. But I think Paul George is the leader that the Clippers thought Kawhi Leonard could be. Because mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard, let's, he's, he's mute. He's not going to say much. Paul George is going to be able to get you there. And that's when I, we saw him do that this playoff series. So I think that was, that's what really helped him. But, yeah, the, Brad, the whole Brad Bill thing is just like – I mean, they're they're close, but I think Paul George is probably better right now as far as just being a complete 48-minute player as opposed to Bradley Bill. And one of the last points I'll make on Paul George before we move on is this. He is coming. This will be his second year removed from some of the injuries that he was speaking on going coming into last season. So I think for him to play at such, an, uh, such a high level last year, 23 points, 6.6 rebounds, 5.2 assists per game, definitely a bounce back from the 2019-2020 year. What did was elected as an all-star last season as well. He is coming off, this, like I said, this will be two years removed from the injuries that was bugging him. He spoke very heavily on those um, during the bubble Damian Lillard, if you guys remember, was there were injury concerns coming out of Tokyo. 
I think that's something that's also kind of important. I'm not saying that they should factor too heavily into the circumstances, but that is kind of important. I don't want to factor Tokyo performance too much because, I mean, we all have KD, you know, somewhere in the top two, and you, you would think he was, you would think he won a alone in his own corner after the, the Olympics if you if you were just basing off of that. But I do think that coming out of that circumstance as well, between his team circumstances. The potential injury concerns, I think there's a couple of things that factor in there. Like I said, I think he can go across the board. Like I said, I know Paul George was definitely out, out of left field, but I factor in what we've seen from him as a solo star when the expectations are low, which maybe it's a bad thing for the Clippers. Maybe they should feel bad about the fact that the expectations have to be lessened so significantly by taking away one of their two superstars in a circumstance like that. But I think at the same time, like, you know, well, my thing, my thing was, I, I, I will never say Bradley Beal is clutch. He's not. My thing, the reason why I have him over him is he's far more consistent, especially as a scorer. Far more. I thought you as a Wizards fan would love that. He's scored 30 mm-hmm. points per game how many times? Probably twice, right? Something like that in two seasons. Paul George, I sometimes don't know what to expect. I sometimes don't. There are games where he will go crazy and go like seven for 10 from three. You're like, I don't know. Whenever he has a high volume shots, go crazy. And then have a one for six night from three or a three for 15 night from the field. I'm like, what is going on? In that series against the Suns, great series. He shot 27% from three. That's bad for him. When you really think about it, that's not good for him. It should be better than that, especially if we're talking about a guy who has potential to be a superstar. 27 is below league average in a series as a superstar. That's that's me. I'm just I love I'm a big fan of consistency here. That's my thing. As as clutch, oh for sure. PG's way more clutch than than uh-huh. way more clutch. I, I see where you're going with that. I think I think my concern with Bradley Beal is if his shot isn't falling, you can't rely on him to affect the game in other ways. I do I do think that PG has the ability between assisting a ball and playing defense that you at least know that if his shot's not falling. That's why that's why people nicknamed him like the ultimate secondary superstar, right? Because of the fact that if he didn't have to carry the offensive load, he could be a guy that you could lean on to do the other things in a way that worked out really well. But um, I want to go back to I want to I want to keep moving up this totem pole a little bit. I want to go with two other guys who are relatively connected in an interesting way, and um, that's that's Luka Doncic and James Harden. Um, now I didn't have James Harden on my list. Um, everybody else did, but they had them, but everybody had them relatively in the same area. So I think that's an interesting place to start at. Um, Ryan, I'm going to go with you. What do you believe? This is James Harden's first official season fully with the Brooklyn Nets. Why do you believe that James Harden is still a top 10 player in the NBA? I think given the fact that he's going to be healthy this year, I think we're going to see the best of James Harden. I feel like we haven't seen the best of him in Brooklyn yet. There's so much more that I want to see from him, not only looking at it from the perspective of how is he going to work as a second option next to Kevin Durant, possibly a third option next to KD and Kyrie. Is he going to play up to the same MVP caliber standard that he played at at Houston as he will continue to play at in Brooklyn? I know Dro Brooks's co-host for the Hear Me Out podcast He's not the biggest fan of James Harden in the playoffs, and he does have a case for that. So I think that's the big 
question heading into this season because we know for a fact Brooklyn's going to be a title contender this year. James Harden has had the issue of can he step up in the playoffs? This is going to be the season that he has that that he has the chance to prove that he can be the second and third second possibly third option next to KD and Kyrie that Brooklyn needs him to be. And especially when you had those questions about him in the Brooklyn series or in the in the Brooklyn Milwaukee series when he came back from that injury, he didn't look the same, especially in game 5. So, I think those are the questions that will have to be answered. Okay, so Brooks, I actually want to bring it to you because Ryan brings up a really interesting point that I, I I love always bringing back up is we had an episode entitled "Is James Harden a Fraud?" This was about a year and some change ago. This is a grip ago when we did our first collab with the HMO podcast, and the panel, for the most part, felt as though. That's where James Harden's trajectory is, that he is a guy that is a empty calorie stats guy who is not going to be able to get you any further than maybe the second round. Um, and a guy who tends to come up small when the moments ask for him to play to, you know, the status of a superstar that he's labeled as. But Brooks, you have him the highest at seven. Mm-hmm. What has you so high on James Harden? I mean, I, I agree with Ryan. I feel like the best is yet to come for for Harden. I feel like mm. he accepted his role as the top facilitator, top playmaker for the Nets. And he he helped improve KD's life and helped improve Kyrie's life significantly. And when he was out, it really hurt the Nets in, in addition to having Kyrie out. But if I had, a, but if I had to have... If I had to choose between Kyrie and James Harden being out, I feel like James Harden's role, James Harden's role as the point guard and as being the guy who's going to give distribute the shots and just be a leader out for, out there, I feel like that's Harden's role. I feel like Harden is is more important than for it than Kyrie is because Kyrie he's he's just going to be the bucket getter. He, he's we say that Bradley Bill isn't going to contribute more than just scoring. I feel like that's what Kyrie does too, and I feel like that's why he's outside this top ten list that we have. So, I mean, that's 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 my main argument for him. And I also feel like he's just going to be more motivated to come in. He's going to be more more motivated to just be a better player than he ever was in, in the Houston Rockets. Um, so that's just my reasoning for it. I mean, it all makes sense. I mean, the biggest thing for me with when it comes to James Harden that I kind of just struggled with is – the sample size is not great. And so for me, I'm not saying that he was a bad player during this past season um, by any stretch. What I'm saying is that for me, in terms of his sample size with Brooklyn, in terms of a trio more specifically, we didn't see them play together very much. So I don't, I'm not sure if we fully understand what his role in this team is just yet. I know that they're an elite level team when all three players play. I also saw Colin Sexton kill them by himself. So... And I'm not saying that to be you know, but yeah, but what I'm saying is I'm not trying to say that too tongue in cheek. But what I'm trying to get at is because we don't have a full blown understanding of the the roles on this team. I think we have an understanding in theory of what they will look like, but we don't have a big enough sample size on a regular basis to actually understand what this trio looks like. I think it's easy to just say Kevin Durant is one A 
no questions asked. But the way things work down the line in terms of this team, they obviously tried to get better defensively through the draft and through what they did in free agency. But they also, you know, in terms of picking up Patty Mills, they <laughs> doubled down on the offense in a way where this team obviously wants to score 140 a night. And I think that they have three superstars capable of helping them do that. But the route in which they do that will impl- impact just how much of a, uh, will impact how you view James Harden. Um, Ian, I want to finish up with uh, Harden real quick with you before we go to Doncic. Let's just table that right now, actually. What do you believe is James Harden's optimal role on this team? Because I feel like the easy route would to say KD is lead bucket Swiss Army knife that's be able to play the one through five for them and show that at a high displayed order. James Harden would be a distributing guard for them and Kyrie Irving would just be the guy who gets buckets. I feel like in theory, that would just be how it's spelled out. Is it really that simple or do you feel like James Harden's role is more or less than that? Um, Honestly, I'd say he also has more scoring as well. I mean, the boy put up the boy. He's not a boy. That man put up 24 and 10 still at a distributor role. You know what I mean? It's not like he's strictly playmaking. He can still get a bucket at will. That's why I have him at eight above Dame and Tatum, because sometimes, you know, like, Tatum and them will kind of slump, you know what I mean? I mean, Tatum and Lillard will kind of slump at times. You know, you'll have them, you know, 10 or, you know, 15 points or whatever. Um, James Harden doesn't really slump often, and it's because of his ability to get to the line. That might change, actually, because of the mm. whole rules and all that. But mm. even I'm, – I'm still not too high on that because I still think he's going to get a bucket regardless. Same with Trey Young. Like, that that's the whole rule thing. But, um, I mean, he was putting up genuinely, when you look at it, MVP-type numbers, 24 and 10 and shooting efficient, efficiently well, too. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's as easy as, okay, he's a distributor. Yes, he does that. But he also gets a buggy when he can. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting thing to touch on for people who are not familiar with the rule change that Ian's referring to. Uh, Trey Young and James Harden are basically the poster boys for this new rule being um, implemented for the NBA in terms of initiating contact. Um, It's typically more uh, associated to guys trying to initiate contact from behind in terms of jumping back into guys. This is a patented move uh, between these two. And it is being nixed completely. It is one of those things where guys seeking out contact in in ways that are not basketball moves are starting to be uh, are going to become either no calls or offensive fouls. So things that James Harden used to rely on that would get him to the line 13 to 16 times a game might end up putting him in foul trouble significantly if he doesn't break off the habit. Like Ian said beforehand, uh, another guy in Trey Young is also in the same uh pocket uh Ryan I'm gonna come back around to you about something that I feel like is really intriguing about this though the two guys that are compared so much in terms of their play styles is Luka Doncic and James Harden and across the board I mean Brooks Brooks has his flipped where Brooks has Harden over Doncic and is very close seven eight but in terms of Ryan and Ian you both have literally the same lineup in this case in terms of having Harden at eight and Doncic at five. What makes Doncic, because I feel like that's low-key a, a significant jump, what do you believe makes Doncic that much better? Is this about age? Is this about situation of him having the ball in his hands a lot more than what Harden will as a part of Brooklyn? What for for you, Ryan? What do you believe makes Doncic so much better to the point that we're talking about a player in 
year four, correct? <laughs> that is a top five player in the NBA by your standards. Why, why do you believe that's the case? Let me just say this. Luka Doncic is 22 years old. The way he looks at 22 reminds you of guys like LeBron at 22 and how Kobe was playing at 22. He's a generational talent. When you think of international players, the first player that comes to mind for a lot of people is Dirk Nowitzki. Mm. We're now entering an era where the first player that might come to mind in terms of great international players may be Luka Doncic in the future. Because I think what he's been able to do on the offensive side, and especially his youth as well, because he's 22, I think the standard for Luka Doncic is only going to increase. Because of the fact he's 22, because he's putting up these these numbers at 22, but also the way he's been able to lead the Dallas Mavericks at age 22. It's very LeBron-esque. It's very 2007 LeBron-esque. Think about what 2007 LeBron had to do. He essentially had to carry a team to the NBA Finals. He carried that team through the Eastern Conference Finals, especially in Game 5 when he went off for 25 points in the fourth quarter in overtime. Luka Doncic has been leading this team through most of his tenure at 22 years old. And I think he's the best young player in the game. He's maybe the most unstoppable player in the game right now outside of Kevin Durant and LeBron James. So, Ian, I'm going to go to you in terms of this because I'm going to actually uh, address two points that Ryan made. One, I actually would argue that James Harden might sneakily be a better defender than Luka Doncic, which I think does factor in their one-on-one comparisons. I do also want to focus on something that Ryan touched on in terms of talking about the 07 uh, LeBron James in terms of what he did in terms of carrying his team. I would argue that, I mean, we all can make the the easy case that Luka Doncic has not remotely played to that category of being able to carry a team to that kind of height. But I can argue that he has played quite literally to the extent of playing equal to what James Harden did in Houston in terms of carrying a team. And with that case, that's a heliocentric player that's leading you to where in terms of where you feel like your end game is. So with a player that seems like he has a play style that that seems at least in terms of what the mirror career has showed so far, is is going to have a, a, a bit of a ceiling in terms of where he is currently. Can he really be a top five player in the NBA with a top out ceiling that has him in a situation where we've seen this movie before? Oh, um, absolutely. I, I genuinely do. Um, Ryan didn't talk about it. There's a lot of new potential here in Dallas, I'm telling you. I think Rick Carlisle's time was done there. They get Jason Kidd. Is there questions with that? Yes, but I think with a guy like Luka, I think it's a good thing for him. They got rid granted, this is why I keep, as a Celtics fan, this is why I keep saying this. We need Philly Josh Richardson. We don't need Dallas Josh Richardson because Dallas Josh Richardson did not play well. But look who they got. Okay, so they re-signed Tim Hardaway. That was one of their big priorities. That was good for them. Um, I feel like people are very much so sleeping on the, the impact that Moses Brown might have on this team in the future. Um, they're talking about a guy that has um, – let me let me do a little bit of background real quick. Um, when we, the Celtics, initially traded for Moses Brown, I was kind of wondering how the minutes would play out because both Moses Brown and Robert Williams, who we just extended in Williams – 
both have extreme upside. Then we trade him Brown to Dallas, and honestly, he could be playing a very big role with this team. I mean, he is seven two. He has some things to work on, but he can play. I'm just all I'm gonna say. With Doncic, this is why I have him over Harden. Now I keep going back to Jalen's point with the whole number one option. Uh, Harden is not the number one option. If he was the number one option, that might be flipped. Um, However, with Doncic, he's obviously the number one option. He has been hitting clutch shots in people's eyes for I don't know how long at 22 years old. He did it on your boy PG, by the way, in the bubble. <laughs> and he, hey, let me keep going. I feel like that's another point to his discredit. He, this man just be getting hit with the most un- ridiculous shots of all time. Dame, Doncic, and you know. Anyway, let me keep going. But then on top of that, kind of like – Ryan was saying he can score at ease. There's times where it's like he shouldn't be able to make this shot, and he somehow makes it. The circus shots from literally, like, he's big enough to get past small guards and big enough to actually play amongst bigs. That's why it's so weird when you see some shots are like, no way, and it goes immediately in. There's so much upside for him, and there's so much promise for the Mavericks that I think it's to a point where he can not only be a top five player in the league, but he's up really up there for an MVP trophy. Brooks, I'm going to close up with you in terms of talking about Dodgers, and we're going to rapid fire through this top five because I don't this, – this top five is not crazy controversial. I think maybe the order is where things get tricky, but it's not crazy controversial. Let's talk about Dodgers real quick. You actually were the one that had Harden over Luka Dodgers in this group. Um, why do you believe Harden is still the better player? So my reasoning was the criteria again. Harden has a better team. He's going to be able to go further than than Luka Doncic is. I think one of the main things that we continue to see about Luka Doncic right now, or that's becoming a new narrative about him, is the fact that he's not meshing very well with another superstar. They still need to figure out what the hell, what the hell they're going to do with Kristaps Porzingis. Is he going to be a true number two? Are they going to let him do more than just post up in the corner, like? He's a way better player than what we've seen him do, be in in uh, in Dallas. Um, but as I mean, Luka Doncic is I think he's Dallas's favorite son right now. I feel like he's going to be more popular than than Dak Prescott is. And I, after this playoff or this Olympic run that he had, I feel like he's bound for MVP year. I mean, Ian had him at, at MVP or right? He had him at MVP for this year. Ian did. I mean, I don't I don't know if he's my actual pick, but he's definitely up for it. I said Luka Doncic was going to be MVP last year. I I really mean it for this year, based off of what happened in the Olympics. Again, every year, whether it's an American or it's an international player, someone has the ballistics Olympic performance. They carry it over to the year, and they have just a career time. And I think Luka Doncic is is his time. I feel like he's going to have another great individual season, and I feel like he's going to go past the first round. It's just a matter of is he going to be able to bring his teammates together, bring KP especially, and inspire them to actually play better so that he doesn't have to have these Herculean efforts anymore and that he can just, oh, yeah, you know, I'll pass it off to someone else. I can trust him to hit this shot, and, you know, they can deliver some win. All right, so we're going to close out strong with I'm going to just we're going to rapid fire through these in an interesting way. Um, Ryan, I'm going to start with you. Do you truly believe that Nikola Jokic is the best center in the game right now? I would have to say yes. He is proving offensively and defensively to be a top two-way player in the league. Ian, you are extremely low on Giannis Antetokounmpo. Do you believe 
that last year's ring had more to do with the injuries or Giannis Antetokounmpo truly being a top five player in the NBA? Well, I wouldn't say it's extremely low. I mean, top three is top three, you know. Yeah, but um, my you have guy, some you have some who believe that once you have the crown, you're at the top. So, so, so my thing with this is, um, this is the part I, want I am to not ready to say that LeBron James is worse than Giannis Antetokounmpo. Damn. Not yet. Um, not not yet. Close, but not yet. Not close. Okay. Not yet. Um. That's that's all I'm gonna say. I'm not I'm not giving this a whole other thing, but no, I'm not ready to say that yet. Okay, Brooks, you had Giannis Antetokounmpo over Kevin Durant. Do you and believe LeBron. you did? You yep. and LeBron. I had I I had Kevin Durant, Giannis, and Steph over LeBron. We're gonna get we're gonna close with that. Don't worry. You had Giannis over KD and LeBron. I want to know why. Hey, you know what? Giannis one day, you know, you know, a couple of years ago, right? We saw him take the crown, put it on his head. LeBron James said, "Nah, I'm gonna get this ring, and you gotta take, you gotta wait your turn, young buck." The buck, the young buck, finally got his ring. He proved that spacing is overrated. He was completely dominant that final series. He was dominant throughout the playoffs. Every turn at adversity, he said, he said, "F it," and he led his team to win. And I feel like just this relentless attitude that he has, this ability to be a great leader, him being able to, again, overcome adversity at the free throw line. He didn't let the crowd get to him in game six. He sank all of his free throws. I mean, the dude has really proven that he is not only the most dominant player right now, I feel like he is just the best, the guy, the best guy in the league right now. And I feel like we can ask him to be a better shooter. We can ask him to do so many different things. But the fact of the matter remains that he is great at what he does. He's the best at what he does right now, and that's just be relentless scorer. He's gonna block everything that comes his way. He, there's just no one that really scares me and impresses me the most, like Giannis right now. LeBron James is human. We're seeing that more and more every game, every year. Like he's just, he's not gonna be the LeBron James that we saw in Miami or early in Cleveland or even early in LA. He's just not that guy anymore, and I feel like that's gonna be really the main tack off of him, KD, we just saw what he did coming off an Achilles. The best season coming off that injury ever. And, yeah, it's just, I just got to give it to Giannis over KD and um, LeBron. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so Ryan had to bounce, guys. So, unfortunately, we won't be able to get his final thoughts on um, this last topic that we have going right now. And it's just going to be some quick hitters that we do going into the season. We're going to table this um, by having it go back and forth really quickly, but we'll probably end up doing a more extended pod on this at a later date. Ian, the most improved team from this offseason, you believe, is? Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Best team. Most improved. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are a lot of teams you could use for this one. Um, That's why I love this question. We, we're gonna we're gonna table this around. We're gonna do Bulls, three. Bulls, hundred percent the Bulls. Okay, Brooks. I said the Bulls. I would say the Bulls, and I'll say the Wizards. Oh my gosh! <laughs> there is so. Oh. Never mind. No, go ahead. I, I was about to say, Ian, save the Heat, bro. Like I said, we're gonna table this. There's um, so I'm much- I'm actually gonna say the Bulls too. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the Bulls too. We're gonna talk about that a little bit more. There's a lot of holes and different things that you can talk about in terms of their team, but I think that there's a couple of things that they address and a couple of things that I think are coming up next. Ian, coming back to you, 
What team do you believe got worse this the worse the most this offseason? The team that took the the deepest plummet to the depths. Oh man, that's a, that's another good question, man. Um whew. Honestly, there are a lot of teams you could kind of factor into this, but um, honestly, I, I <laughs> it, it might be interesting to say I genuinely don't expect much from the Timberwolves. I actually like I think they're okay. Like they did some solid moves, but like there's still a lot of questions surrounding that team. Um, I think it goes to show that you can't really have like you can't really do a lot with a center being your centerpiece. I mean, granted, Embiid and Jokic are kind of breaking that, but with the cat, it's interesting. Um, I don't think they did enough, if that makes sense. But, yeah. Brooks, what about you? Who do you think got the worst of the worst through this offseason, plummeted to the depths? I mean, it's it's a tie right now between the Magic and it's a tie with the Raptors because – I still believe that they've made a mistake taking Scotty Barnes over Jalen Suggs. Mm-hmm. Even with Fred, 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 that Fred Van Fleet there, they needed a point guard of the future, and Fred Van Fleet is better off the ball. So mm-hmm. bring Jalen Suggs in, he's going to be a great two-way guy. But now you just have Scotty Barnes, who he's a great he's just a, he's a great basketball player. He's going to bring a whole lot to the table, but... That point guard spot needs to be figured out more than the four spot because you already got Pascal. So, you know, how much more did, better did they get? I don't think they really did. For me, it wasn't even close. The Cleveland Cavaliers picked up Evan Mobley that in the draft. Brad, Laura, Laurie Markin and Via Trade say they're not buying out Kevin Love and gave Jared Allen dumb money. There's no way in the world. If we're going to clown the Pistons for signing crazy amounts of centers – um, once upon a time, and and I mean, we look at this Cleveland team that's going nowhere. They only put themselves in a bigger hole. My last, my last round robin question. These are three questions we're gonna end up addressing on a bigger pod. But my last round robin question is: Your sleeper team, not to make the playoffs, but to win the championship, is who? Ian. And hard hitting questions, bro. Oh my goodness. Hey, bro, we gotta, we gotta, we we gotta have some heat coming soon, bro. Sleeper teams, sleeper teams. Jumping over episode two, Hondo. We gotta come with heat topics. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna take the Nuggets. I actually will. I will take the Nuggets sleeper team. It's only because they didn't have Jamal Murray and they still found a way to get that far. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll take, I'll take the Nuggets. Okay, Brooks, sleeper team that you think could actually win the win the whole dang thing as of right now. Ooh, a sleeper that could win the whole damn thing? Oh, man. I don't have faith in Denver. I don't, especially with Jamal Murray coming off an injury. And the guys that I that I think are done, that I can win a championship, they're not really sleepers because it's, it's, I, I feel like it's nuts or bust. I can't really answer that question, bro. I don't know. Um, I don't I, I already couldn't answer that question, bro. I don't know. All right, say less. So, we'll, so, so I'm expecting an answer on that pod then because I'm going to need an answer when we, when we actually table that pod. I'm going to give you all my, my answer right now. I'm going to go with Golden State. I feel like with their circumstances right now, they get Clay healthy. They We all had Steph Curry as a top four player um, in the NBA and – Ben Simmons has officially put himself on the trade block and says he only wants to go to a Cali squad, and now they might be able to get him on discount because of the fact that his value is even lower since he's put himself in a position to not have much, not give the team much leverage. So they might would be able trade, to get, So would you trade Jermon Green for Ben Simmons? I'm sorry. I don't think they'll have to. 
I don't think they'll have to. I, between the money that between the money that's there in terms of the uh, assets that need to be allocated to make the trade, Ben Simmons alone tanked his value with the way last postseason went, and it's only gotten worse when you decide that you openly say you only want to go to a handful of teams. We've seen it happen more times than not that when a team puts when a when a player puts a list of teams together. The the amount that you can get for that guy instantly depreciates because only those teams are competing against themselves and only those teams have but so many assets. So I think that Golden State might low key be to get him for get him for a deal. I don't know if that's going to actually work out because Daryl Morey is still a shrewd operator. But I think you give me Ben Simmons plus Steph Curry plus Clay Thompson. I think even if they still have Draymond Green on this team. That they could they they could be they could be scary and we're talking about a team that just barely missed the playoffs last year so that's why I got him as a sleeper. But all right, guys, I hope you guys enjoy this episode so much. I hope we weren't too too rusty in terms of coming back for episode 200. We're definitely planning a lot of bangers moving forward to close out this uh close out this season two season three kicks off on opening day of the NBA season. So keep that October 19th date real close because that's going to be a big date for us on the Hoop Talk podcast as well. Um, Ian Brooks, really appreciate both of you fellas coming on for the podcast. As usual, these guys have contributed so much to this journey to getting to 200 episodes. And of course, we hope to have them on even more often. Guys, my question of the day for you guys to come hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, or even in the comments on below this episode when it drops is, who do you believe in order? Don't play with me. Who do you believe are the top five players in the NBA going into the 2021-22 season? Do not hold back with the order. I need to know who you guys believe are the top five best players in the NBA right now. Thank you guys again so much for listening. Like, comment, subscribe, and we are out of here.